And if you have a Bible, please open to John chapter 11 and the kids can head out. Um, I'm getting all these waves from the back. That's always a sign that the kids are due to, to head out. Last week I shared a message on faith and many of you responded. It was really very significant because I think a lot of us grapple with faith. We struggle with faith. We struggle with trying to sort of get it right and we, we, we kind of almost look for a formula or some way that we can make it happen. But the question I ask today is what happens to your faith when it all goes pear-shaped? You know, when, when you pray for something and it doesn't happen, when you, when you believe for something and it's, it doesn't seem to happen, what, what happens to your faith? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? I think it's a question all of us have to, have to answer at some point. Last week we looked at the verse, Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And, you know, that's what faith is. When you can't see it, you can't... You know, but you know, but you know that you know that you know that God is going to come through for you. And we pray, we believe, we trust in the Lord to answer our prayers, you know, either with a yes or no or a wait. But sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes he doesn't seem to answer us. Am I right? Am I the only one this happens to? Good. Because, you know, my question today is, when you've believed God and you've had faith, but what you're believing for doesn't happen. My question to you is, how do you respond to that? What do you say? What do you do in response to that? You see, in life, faith is a choice. Now, you often can't choose what comes against you, but you can choose how you respond. Is that right? So, so when things don't go the right way, you can't choose oftentimes what's going to happen to you, but you can choose how you respond. And one of the great hypocrisies of the modern world, and believe me, there's many hypocrisies in the modern world, uh, one of the greatest ones is that no one takes responsibility for anything that they've done, for all of their actions. You talk to anybody who's in a bad situation, and they will always blame someone else. Oh, it was my upbringing. It was my parents. It was society. It was my school. It was the ex- it was the lack of opportunities. Everybody blames everything except themselves. We don't live in a society where people own up and say, you know what, it was my fault. I did it. And, and, you know, this is why we have so many difficulties because people don't own up to things. They just keep passing the buck to the next guy. But the Bible says we always have a choice. No matter what's happened to you in your life, you always have a choice. You can choose how to respond. You can choose to sin or be righteous. You can choose to react in anger or respond in love. You can choose to get angry at God when your faith doesn't seem to work out or you can choose to press into him. It's your choice. And here's the thing. It's those choices that determine destiny. You know, people say to me, oh, destiny is like fate. It just happens to you. You can't control it. That's not true. You can control your destiny. Destiny is a series of choices that you make. If you make good choices all along, you get a good destiny. If you make bad choices, you finish up at a bad destiny. We have a choice. Proverbs 19 verse 3 is a very interesting verse. It says this, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Isn't that true? Have you seen that? We make dumb decisions... We, we make dumb choices, and then when it all goes pear-shaped, we blame God. How could you let this happen to me? You know, that's what we do, isn't it? It's so true. 
It's we, we, we make the decision, but then we blame God for the result. And so if you pray for something and you don't appear to get the answer you want, it's your choice how you respond to that. We talked last week about some of the dangers of the hyperfaith movement. Um, you know, theology which implies that you can manipulate God to get what you want. Now, that looks pretty good because you think, oh, I can get what I want. I believe in this, that's great. Except that when you don't get what you want, because God never told you you were going to get that, you get mad at God. And In fact, people walk away from the faith. People walk away from Christianity saying, and I quote, I tried it, it doesn't work. But what they're saying is, I prayed for something, I, I asked God for something, and he didn't give me what I wanted, therefore I'm not going to believe in him, and they walk away. But the question is, did he ever tell you he was going to give you what, what you wanted? You can't just make this stuff up and make God perform to your standards. That's not what it's about. Disappointment. I know many of us are here this morning uh, not very pleased with the, the uh, federal election. And uh, we're a little disappointed. Am I right? And uh, I want to, ch- um, it's interesting that uh, Colin shared on perspective, because that's exactly what I want to talk about. It depends on your perspective. I know this morning people will be waking up saying, oh, that's not the way I wanted it to go. Therefore, I'm going to get a bit down and depressed about it. But I'm excited. You know why? Because I think our society is going to get darker. And when it's darker, we get the chance to shine brighter. So I think we can put a positive spin on this and say, no matter what happens in government, Jesus never said the government is is, is going to cause revival. He said, if my people... Not them, us. So they can do whatever they like at a government level because at the end of the day, we should rejoice because we can shine the brightest when all around is darkness. So I'm actually a little excited, (coughs) as sad as it seems. Perspective plays a huge part. Your response to an unanswered prayer depends on your perspective. Now here's the thing, it takes faith to believe for a miracle, doesn't it? And when you see that miracle, you say, oh, your faith is great. But I would postulate to you that it takes greater faith to still believe God if the miracle is not forthcoming. See, God uses disappointments to deepen our faith. So let's talk about changing perspective. See, you can change the D for a H and disappointment becomes his appointment. Let me say that again for those of you who can't spell. You can change D... For H, and disappointment becomes his appointment. We just need to change one letter, and our perspective changes. That's why Paul could write, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul could write this, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. See, he wasn't denying the reality that things weren't working out the way he wanted. What he was saying was, it's not going to kill, it's not going to wipe us out. You know, if things don't go the way we planned, we must never stop trusting God. We must never stop trusting God. So I want to ask you the question this morning. Have you felt let down by God? Have you ever felt let down by God? If you're honest, most of us would say yes. In John 11, there's a story of a family that were let down by God. And I want to read it together. We're going to see what happens together. So if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to John chapter 11. We'll start at verse 1. If you've got this memorized, good for you. Um, 
and uh, it's also in our notes if you've got our, our church app it's in the notes as well from verse 1 now a certain man was ill Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha now these guys were Jesus friends very good friends it was Mary who anointed the Lord uh, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill so the sisters sent to him saying Lord he whom you love is ill but when Jesus heard it he said this illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard Lazarus was ill he stayed two days longer in the place where he was that's weird don't you think when I hear someone is ill who's a friend of mine if I think that I can cure them I will come running but Jesus waited Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus that supported his ministry and his mission and their brother Lazarus was dying but for some inexplicable reason Jesus chooses not to go to his friend he even seems to sort of brush it off saying, oh this this isn't going to kill him this won't lead to death and then of course Lazarus dies if you read on the story Lazarus dies and four days after he's died four days because the, the Hebrew people believe that for three days the spirit hangs around. So four days the spirit's long gone. He's, he's, he's definitely dead. Very, very dead. So four days later, Jesus finally makes it to his friends. And Mary and Martha are not only mourning the loss of their brother, but also dealing with their disappointment in Jesus for failing to meet their expectations. I mean, they thought, if they said, man, if we can just get to Jesus and let him know, he can come and he can save the day here. And they got out there, they reached out, they let him know, they sent word to him, and he didn't come. And they're disappointed. Jesus' interaction with the sisters gives us a powerful framework on how, how we can deal with overcoming disappointment. And I'm going to, you know, disappointment encapsulates a whole bunch of feelings. It's not just, oh, I'm disappointed. But, you know, it, it affects the way that we, we respond to things. Uh, it includes, you know, anger, hurt, frustration, hopelessness, all that sort of stuff. So here's how... <coughs> how the story pans out and what we can learn from it I want to give you five steps for overcoming disappointment the first is to admit that you're disappointed see some people feel that faking faith will make God change his mind I, I remember talking to people who say I'm praying to be healed of the flu I've just you know I've, I've just had a non-covid variety it's strange we call it a non-covid variety I've, I've had you know Apparently there's other diseases in the world. Who thought? Who thought? You know? But, but you know, I've had people who, are, who have the, the, the flu and they're sniffling and they're coughing and they've you know, got a sore throat and everything like that. You say, how are you feeling? They say, oh, I'm feeling great. By faith, I'm healed. Well, get your money back. It's not working, you know? Some people think they can fake their way through to, to getting what they want. But I think the first step, if you're disappointed with God, is to actually admit that you're disappointed with God. John 11 verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. She, she just lets it all out. She's just like, you know, God, like, Lord, if you'd have been here, we wouldn't, we, you know, he'd still be alive. You've let me down. Sometimes we, you know, we can't overcome disappointment unless we actually admit that we are disappointed. When we decided to move to Nambour, 
uh, when we felt that God wanted us to move to Nambour as a church, and I mentioned this last week, I'll mention it again, we had our hearts set on the Clark Centre out there in, in Howard Street. And it seemed very good, seemed very appropriate. The problem was the guy was $700,000 more than the valuation we had. And no one would give us money to get that. So the door was closed. And I've got to admit, I was disappointed. I said, yeah, come on, Lord, you, you, you said that. We, that's where we thought. That's where everybody sort of agreed. Oh, that, that seems to be the place. And I was disappointed. But I remember at the time thinking, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I cannot believe that God will ever let me down. And so I just kept saying, okay, if, if it's not there, you must have somewhere better. You, you have to have. I just knew in my heart there was somewhere else that was better. Now, here we are, more central, uh, you know, four times the number of tenants and half the price. So God has, has been, really worked a miracle for us to be here in this place. But I had to work through that disappointment. And you may be tempted to overwrite your emotions and say, well, God has a plan. And, you know, uh, when God closes a door, he opens a window. And all of that's true. But it's not, it's just a band-aid on a severed limb if you don't genuinely believe it in your heart, right? If you're disappointed, tell him so. Just tell him. He's not afraid. I don't think God's afraid if you say, Lord, you, I really feel disappointed. He's, he, he can handle that. He's big enough, you know? He's not afraid if, if we honestly admit our disappointment to him. And if we do that, I believe we're on the step to actually... People say, well, it's lack of faith if you tell God you're disappointed. No, it's not. It's honesty. And it'll allow you to build your faith correctly. It's okay to say, Lord, I feel disappointed. I prayed for this. It didn't happen. I feel disappointed. Be honest with him. But don't camp there. Move on because there's more to come. Martha believed if only Jesus had acted earlier, he could have changed the whole situation. And a lot of us feel similar. As N.T. Wright said, uh, if, you, if you're like Martha, if you have an if only in your heart and mind right now, put yourself in Martha's shoes. Run off to meet Jesus. Tell him the problem. Ask him why he didn't come sooner, why he allowed the awful thing to happen. I think God appreciates our honesty, don't you? We don't have to fake it till we make it. We just have to trust him and be honest. It doesn't show lack of faith if you're honest about your disappointment. I think it shows faith that you can admit it and are prepared to move forward. So don't be shy. Let your frustrations fly so you can clear the air and make room for something new. Whether you've got to pray it out, write it out, talk it out, whatever you need to do, just be honest with God. Because I think, you know, we live in a world of such dishonesty that, that we really need to be honest with God. Don't you agree? The second thing, um, as Colin spoke about earlier, is to change your perspective. See, don't just rant at God and then camp there. See, that's what people do. When things go wrong, they blame God and they, never, they, they stay there. They just stay there playing, saying, God, you're the worst. You let me down. You are the worst. And they just get mad at God. So don't rant at God and stay there. Get it off your chest and move on. Where do we move to? We can move to a change of perspective. Martha was disappointed, even crushed by what had happened. But rather than fake things, she was able to present her tiny faith to God, small as a mustard seed, and start to see a change of perspective. In verse 22 of John 11, it says this, But even now... I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So see, there's a little, little flicker of faith there. Her brother is dead. Jesus took too long to get there. And she says, but even now, I know whatever you ask for, God will give you. 
Jesus said to her, your brothers will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Uh, that's actually one of the verses that we spoke about at um, David's funeral this week. Though Jesus said, if you believe in him, though you die, yet shall you live. Our body dies, but our soul lives forever. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord or goes to hell. It's your choice. We come down to choices again. And the Bible says, if you are in Christ, you go to heaven. If you are not in Christ, you go to hell. I, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Right? And you can see this hurt, disappointed woman. She's grappling, trying to hold on to faith. She's not faking it, but she's starting to change her perspective. What was interesting, what Eli shared. There he is out there in the ocean. There's waves all around. There, there's, you know, seemingly no hope of being rescued. And what Eli does is he changes his perspective and says, I'm just going to rejoice in you. I'm just going to praise you. In the middle of all that stuff, he praised God. And the situation was turned around. In John 11:32, it says this, Now Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the same thing as her sister Martha said. In all the mess, in all the pain, in all the disappointment, they chose to change their perspective and focus on Jesus. And Jesus, full of compassion, in verse 33, says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come with her saw her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. So if you are in that situation today, what you need to do is change your perspective and fix your eyes on Jesus. You can look at a whole bunch of stuff, but if you fix your eyes on Jesus, your perspective changes. How many of you this morning after a certain result in a certain election overnight, have to decide to fix your eyes on Jesus. I think you do. I don't want to fix my eyes on any of those guys. I'd rather fix my eyes on Jesus. Because then your perspective changes. The fourth thing is, don't give up. Just because you decide, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix my eyes on Jesus, gonna, you've still got to see it through because faith is a journey, folks. It's not a one-off. You don't wave a magic wand and suddenly you're full of faith. You, it's a journey. You learn and you understand and you grow in your faith. And it takes time. Your faith will be tested. But you can stand and prevail. Remember, this doesn't apply if you just tell God what you want him to do. This applies if you say, Lord, Lord, what is your will? We talked about this last week. And your will conforms to the will of God. But then the thing is, sometimes, sometimes things take a little bit of time. I noticed that God is really into this 11th hour stuff, you know? When sort of the last minute, when all hope is gone and he comes through for us. Isn't that true? I remember a few years ago when we were trying to purchase the property out here at Pine Grove Road, we had nine months to get a quarter of a million dollars and we had no hope of getting it except in God. And he, he came through for us, but right at the last day, we're getting down to the last day, the last day, and I was $10,000 short. Now, I'm sure some of you have $10,000 in your pocket. You could loan me. 
and, and people were saying, well, maybe we can get a loan for 10000 I'm trying to figure out. And then the Lord said, just trust me. Just trust me. It's the last day. And my daughter calls up from New South Wales. She said, Dad, we want to be part of this. We've just put an offering into the bank account. And when I looked, it was $10,000. Right at the last minute. So you see, we can trust him no matter what. But what we often try and do is what Martha did, is try and rationalise it away. We try and make excuses for God not doing what, what we have prayed for. In John 11, 23 and 24, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the last day. So I'm saying, yeah, I, yeah, I know we'll all rise again, Jesus, I've got it. That's our theology, yeah. The last day we'll all rise again, got it. You know, that's what you're talking about. But Jesus wasn't talking about that at all. But we do, how, many, how many of you try and rationalise away what God is doing if it doesn't work out the way you want? I'm one. Do you ever do that? You know, we sort of say, oh, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it'll come to this. And I think God is big enough to deal with his own stuff, don't you? If he doesn't answer a prayer the way we are praying... Maybe we should just believe that he has something better instead of trying to rationalise it away and make excuses for him. If he fails to make it happen, we can trust him for a better way. Do I hear an amen to that? That's true. We saw that here with the Clark Centre. It was interesting, um, uh, at David's funeral during the week, uh, I had known for some months, some months ago when David was, was diagnosed, he was going through the various treatments, and uh, those of you who know him well will know he uh, tried a, a cancer treatment, a chemotherapy, and he didn't like it. Well, immunotherapy didn't like it. And he said, no, he said, he said uh, I, I, I said to him, David, what do you feel God's saying? And he said to me, he said, I really feel this is it, that God's calling me home. I said, okay, good. We can work with that. I uh, had a few talks with Colin and others about death and dying and the process. And, you know, he, he uh, passed away the other week but he did so in a very noble way and uh when they came janine said when she came to see his body there was a smile on his face and uh you know he knows where he's he knew where he was going he knows where he is now we know where he is now he had that incredible confidence but he didn't fight it he asked God, and that's what God revealed to him. See, in Romans 8.28, it says this, we know, God, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who be called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for good. In all things. Even if we don't understand, even if we don't get it, God always works for good. <coughs> and then Jesus asked for the gravestone to be removed. And then circumstances flew in the, in the face of faith. In verse 39 it says, As Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour, for he has been dead for four days. So Jesus asked her to do something that was a little bit irrational and a bit embarrassing, don't you think? Like, Lord, there's going to be like a, a huge pong. This guy's been dead for four days. It's going to smell bad. Are you sure you want me to roll the stone away? See, all of Martha's doubts and all of her lack of faith, all of these things were actually handled by Jesus because he loved her. He could see her struggling. He could see her trying to make sense of all of this. But I tell you, he is delighted with your faith. But he's not offended by your honest disappointments and doubts. I don't believe God's offended by that. Just don't stay there. 
He leads you to faith and he allows you the scope to gently grow your faith. How many of you know you've believed for something, maybe it fell through, you've struggled in your faith, but your faith has been built up by something else that you believe for that God gave? And so slowly but surely you learn to grow your faith. Is that right? Faith's not static. It's constantly growing or diminishing depending on how you respond to what God has. I know I, am, I have faith for things now that I never had for a year or two ago. I never believed that God could do these things in my life and yet I've seen them happen and now that builds faith for the next challenge. The fifth thing is to give thanks. I want you to look carefully at John 11 verse 41 and on, but 41 in particular says this, So they took the stone away, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said this, listen to this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you've heard me. I knew, you all, I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet were bound with linen strips, his face wrapped in a cloth, and Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. See, Jesus knew the will of the Father, and then he gave thanks. Isn't that incredible? In the face of all that, Jesus gave thanks. The first thing he did. So if you are down, if you are disappointed, if, if that thing that you prayed for seems to be taking too long, if you're struggling to believe God's will, start by giving thanks. Giving thanks. We live in a culture, I think the greatest sin of the Western world is an ungrateful spirit. We have so much here, and, and yet we're not grateful for anything. Let's face it, we're a pack of whingers at times, are we not? You know, we are, we have so much. Come with me to India, where, where uh, these guys are from, Jeremiah stuff. You'll see poverty on a level you will never see here. In the Philippines, you'll, you'll see people living on garbage dumps. You know, we have so much that we can be thankful for here. And yet we are ungrateful. So the first point that Jesus did, the first thing he did, before he called Lazarus out, he gave thanks. Thank you, Father. When, when Lazarus died, the, the circumstances were bleak and conclusively bad. But I've learned that faith, real faith, deep faith, depends not on our circumstances, but on us aligning our will to the will of God. And the closer we are to God, the closer our will conforms to his. And then we begin to see miracles. And that's what we're seeing here at Ignite. But it starts with rejoicing in the Lord in the face of disappointment. So let me ask you, if God has let you down, can you rejoice today? Can you make the decision to rejoice? You might say, oh, I'm too flat. I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You can start by rejoicing in the good things God has given you. Last week, I, I quoted a psalm, and I love this psalm. More, the older I get, I love it. It says this, Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young, but now I am old. Ouch. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I've never seen it. In all of my years, I've never seen God ultimately let us down. There are things you'd be disappointed in along the way, but if you trust God, like that verse says, I was young, now I'm old. My whole life, I've never seen him let me down. Never. And that's my testimony. Even when we lost, we, we amassed a small fortune and lost the whole lot. 
And that was pretty bleak, but I tell you, at that moment when we're sitting there and, and, and we, we were losing our home and losing everything else that we valued, I could look at it and say, God, I do not believe that you will let me down. I can't believe it. So I kept believing. And he's restored all of that and then some. That's what he does. You see, in all of my, I, he has never let me down. There have been short-term ones, but long-term, no. And if you feel that God has let you down today, you can rebuild your faith. Be honest before God. Tell him. Cry out to him. Seek him with all your heart. Tell him you're hurt. He can handle it. But then come to Jesus again and fix your eyes on him and change your perspective. And you can start it all by having a gratitude attitude. That's what we need in our... I tell you, there's plenty of depressed people out there today. There's a few happy ones as well. But we need a gratitude attitude because the world is not going to cease to revolve and function because some political party gets in or out. It's not going to happen. It's meaningless because we know the one who is ruling over this nation ultimately. Habakkuk is one of my favourite prophets. He wrote a short little three-chapter book and he was a prophet at a very difficult time in history when the Babylonians were attacking uh, the nation of Israel. And he started out his three-chapter book with a whole litany of complaints and accusations against God. And how many of us have been there, yeah? Complaining against God. This is what he said, verse 1 in Habakkuk. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help that you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? So he rolls out this big angry list of disappointments with God. Come on, God, look at these guys. They're unrighteous. They're going to tear us to pieces. We're going to be mincemeat here. What are you doing, God? How can, these, how can the bad guys win? He accuses God of allowing the wicked to persecute the righteous. He accuses God of being silent when the bad guys seem to be winning. And some of us might be there this morning. Come on, God, what are you doing? And then in the third chapter, he rediscovers his faith. And he begins to believe God again. And the book finishes with this incredible statement. This is what I'm going to leave you with this morning. This incredible statement. How prophetic this is to many of us this morning. Not just talking about politics, I'm talking about life. And the things that you believe for, if you're disappointed, if you're hurt, if you're down. Listen to what Habakkuk says. Though the fig tree does not blossom... And there be no fruit on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Doesn't matter what the world looks like, I choose to rejoice in the Lord. I choose to see the bright side instead of the dark side. I choose to see that the Lord is Lord of all, no matter what life dishes up to me. Can you respond that way? Has your faith been tested and it seems to fall short or something takes too long or something fails to happen at all? It takes faith to see miracles happen, but I tell you, it takes deeper faith to keep believing. And God loves it when we do that. He loves it. When you still trust God. In disappointment, can you rejoice? Can you change your perspective so that disappointment becomes his appointment? If you've believed God and been disappointed, this is the day that you can rejoice. 
If you've believed God for something and haven't seen it yet, this is your day. If you're getting tired, if you've been praying for things and believing for things and it hasn't happened, this is your moment. Because we can join our faith together and we can see the will of God triumph. I really believe that. I mean, maybe you trusted God for a marriage and it broke up. Maybe your business failed. Maybe you lost your job. There's many here like that. Sometimes you prayed for something or someone, but you've seen no visible change in them. Maybe you believed for someone to come to Christ and it hasn't yet happened. I'm telling you, it's time to rejoice. It's time to rejoice and change our perspective because he is the Lord of all and he will make a way. Would you bow your heads? If God has let you down, if you're feeling disappointed, if you're struggling at the moment, then I believe this is for you. I believe God is going to work a miracle in your life. Maybe you look at your family and you just go, man, it's a mess. God, I can't figure this out. This moment's for you. If you've lost your job and you're wondering where your income is going to come from, this is for you. If you've been struggling with a sickness that seems to be overwhelming you and you can't change it and the doctors don't seem to know where it's going, this is for you. Because I believe that he can make a way. He can make it happen. Let's turn your disappointment into his appointment this morning. I want you to pray this with me if that's you. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm disappointed. But I refuse to believe that you will let me down. Say it out loud. Come on. Right now, Lord, I choose to rejoice in you. I choose to seek you first. I give it all to you and trust you for my future. If you've been feeling disappointed and flat this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. There'll be many of you. Don't be afraid. If you're feeling flat and disappointed, just stand up wherever you are. Come on. God's speaking to people this morning. I know he's speaking to people. Sometimes you've been praying for someone for so long and you just feel like giving up. If that's you, stand up where you are. Because God's speaking to you this morning. Lord, you see these people standing. Father, we are going to join our faith. We're going to believe for you to come through for them. Because I know many of them have been struggling. I just sense there's more. Some of you are sitting here saying, I don't want to stand up. That's embarrassing. No, it's not. It's yielding. If, you're, if you've been praying for someone in particular and, and it, it just hasn't come through for you, just stand where you are. Just believe there's, there's more here. There is more here. If you've been praying for someone and believing, maybe believing for yourself, maybe believing for a change in your own life, if that's you, this is your moment.